morning and uh, welcome back to Driving Theology. I don't know why, but I felt like we should start with a few seconds of silence this morning. Uh, it is March 13th, uh, two days after we commemorated the eight-year anniversary, anniversary of the uh, Great East Earthquake and Tsunami that happened in 2011. Uh, that was a shaking experience, uh, both literally and metaphorically. <laughs> um, <clears throat> it was, you know, I was talking to my wife the other day, and, you know, our life changed drastically from that day forward. My question was, have we somewhat recovered? Have our lives gone back to some kind of normal since then? Or, you know, or are we still in that mode? Or uh, have we been changed for good? Is there no going back? Is it, are we all now on a new trajectory? And uh, my suspicion is it's it's the latter. Uh, I don't I don't feel like we're s we've gone back to normal uh, by any stretch. Like some some kind of some idea of a, the the same life that we were living uh, just moments before the earthquake earthquake struck. I don't feel like that has happened. And at the same time, I don't feel like we're still in the emergency uh, uh, high, highly vigilant mode either I'm sure that's not the case um, but I don't think you really go back from things like that I don't think there's a there's a return uh, to normal life after that point I can't see how that would be possible. Um, you just go forward and, you know, live one day at a time, I guess. Um, but I think you do transition into uh, various different phases of your life, you know. Uh, but you don't necessarily notice the transition transitions are often quite smooth. Um, except tragedy, right? Tragedy transitions transitions you uh, all in a, you know, the blink of an eye. And those those times we, we mark time by very, uh, very well, right? That's easy to mark time in that way. Um, but yeah, that was a, that was an amazing event that happened. Uh, it was it was on a huge scale. Um, I don't know any other way to to talk about it than to say it was it was life altering, um, life defining. Even is what I remember thinking about it shortly after. Uh, because in times of of crisis. What's important to you is uh, 
immediately know, right? What what your the values that you hold, uh, what you believe to be true, are suddenly uh, very relevant. Very relevant. Uh, and I'm going to. See, I forgot to turn off my Bluetooth just in case. I'm going to turn that off now. See if that stops the thing, which it didn't. That's good. I'm going to just pause for a second because I'm going to blow my nose. I have allergies this morning. Yeah, I won't be doing that again. It's actually quite difficult to get it started again. So, yeah, we just commemorated that. But, you know, some part of me wonders, you know, at what point will we start looking forward and, and forget the past? I mean, certainly we don't want to forget the, you know, 22,500 souls or so who lost their lives that day. Nobody that I knew personally, uh, but I met many people who lost. But at what point do we stop commemorating the past? Excuse me, the past. Uh, I think it's an important question because we tend to remember the bad stuff, but we don't we don't mark the good stuff as much, you know. And the good stuff uh, that happens suddenly, especially like you know the the sudden good good fortunes that come along, and maybe those are fewer and far, uh, farther between, <laughs> uh, maybe those don't happen often, I, you know, in fact, I can't think of anything that didn't have a mixture of tragedy and negativity with it, any good thing that's happened, say, to America, that just happens all of a sudden, like bad things do. You know, like a sudden flood or flash flood or a tornado or, or hurricanes. You know, those things come and are just devastating all at once and really wreck, wreck, you know, wreck people's lives. But why aren't there similar, uh, for lack of a better word, uh, positive disasters? <laughs> positive things that come with the same force as, as these negative ones and suddenly... Uh, everybody's life in a region is way better as opposed to way worse. It doesn't really happen, does it? You know, it, it's kind of strange if you think about it. Um, strange to think about that. I mean, I guess it does happen, but it doesn't seem to happen as often. They're usually small potatoes compared to the devastation of a, a tornado, for example. You know, like uh, maybe a tax break that the government uh, negotiates for a region. And, you know, that's great, whatever. But just, just a, a, you know, bang, lightning bolt uh, strike of good fortune that affects a bunch of people. It just doesn't seem to happen, right? Like, 
not that I can think of in recent news, you know, maybe maybe a family will suddenly get good fortune, like they'll win the lottery or or discover oil on their land or gold or something like that. You know, those things, I guess, happen. Um, but it seems like those instances of success are always tinged with a bunch of other negative stuff that comes along with it, right? Uh, you know, say somebody wins uh, $978 million in the lottery. Uh, well, first thing that happens is a huge chunk of that goes to the government. Okay? Uh, and then and then your relatives come knocking and your creditors and, 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 and suddenly now you are the king of an empire, so to speak, and you have to manage your wealth. And a lot of people are just not up to that task. You know, they're just not ready for that. Uh, and I think it would drive a lot of people mad uh, to maybe, maybe to the point to where they resent having ever won anything. Uh, and, uh, you know, the adage that always goes along with that, with, with what is it, with great ability comes responsibility or, or, or uh, you know, with... Um, that go? Power. Power is the word. Uh, with great power comes great responsibility. I'd say with great anything, with great wealth, with great talent, uh, with great ability comes great responsibility. Uh, and so there is a there is a management factor that, that you have to um, execute and use what you have or, or what you can do in a responsible way, uh, and that wrecks a lot of people. Um, but the negative stuff comes, and everybody just things kind of relax. It's kind of weird, right? Like things that were important the day before <clears throat> suddenly seem stupid. You know, uh, you know. For example, when uh, your neighbor's house is destroyed by a tornado and they have nothing left, you're not really worried about that one limb that goes from their yard, from their tree, across your backyard and drops leaves in the fall. Like suddenly that, that's dumb to worry about. You know, why even, why even worry about that now? And so these disasters are defining events uh, but I would say these fortunate disasters are also defining events. They 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 uh, they bring out the true you um, in ways similar ways that that uh, devastation does. Um, but man, I, you know, Japan has been waiting for this sudden s strike of good good luck. They've been kind of in a it a depression, although there is a kind of a mental depression going on in Japan, I would say, for the last many years. Uh, uh, what is the word? Recession, I suppose. Uh, from where they climbed up to in the 80s and the very early 90s, uh, economically, the whole country's fallen. And the country seems to be just waiting for another, you know, stroke of good fortune. Uh, and a lot of companies are not, have not 
adapted and many of them have downsized, laid off people, uh, and uh, you know the the company that uh, shares a name with this region, Hitachi Company, which is a huge uh, multinational uh, company. Well, it's based in Japan, but it, it's just connected to all kinds of uh, industries. You know, it it really hasn't found its next golden goose. You know, there's the, the uh, computer industry and the tech industry. Uh, it's been in transportation, things like this. It really hasn't uh, been able to uh, rebound from all of the losses it took uh, back in the 90s. Um, and so as a result, the entire city is kind of dying, right? It's city of Hitachi is more and more uh, looking like a city that's just uh, trying to survive and uh, it's no longer thriving which I think at one point it was a thriving uh, very much a thriving city uh, so it seems like people here are just waiting you know trusting that they're the leaders of the government or or of the uh, companies will will you know land that next big thing uh, but it just doesn't seem to be coming you know I, I don't think it's really coming so it does seem like there are many more negative sudden events even unforeseeable events uh, within reason that come to the world then there are events of good fortune right of, of, uh, of massive uh, good fortune that, that all the people can enjoy um, maybe that's be, you know because of a couple things uh, first of all maybe this world is already one big, you know, gift to us in all of its beauty and, and uh, diversity uh, of plant and animal life, geography. Uh, maybe we just take it for granted, you know, this wonderful world that we have because, because of some of the, you know, difficult things to deal with in nature. should, you know, really take the time to, to contemplate and meditate on what we have that is so uh, beautiful. Like, you know, I'm driving by these pink-white flowers of the uh, ume trees that are in bloom right now. Uh, the sakura season will follow soon after that, uh, an even more beautiful season. I'm driving between two groves of white ume trees right now, the, the Japanese plum trees, which bloom in February. I guess we're in the middle of the Ume season. The problem is it coincides with the, uh, you know, the allergy season. And I'm, I'm still looking at a bunch of uh, very brown cedar trees that are uh, heavily loaded with uh, this pollen that, that I detest so much. Well, it seems to hate me, actually. <laughs> My body hates it anyway. 
yeah, just looking at them kind of makes me feel itchy, you know, knowing what they hold and what it does to me. Some of the trees are starting to turn green and you can see that their pollen is coming off. That would be a huge stroke of fortune for a lot of people if they would figure out a way uh, to cure allergies or, you know, a cure for cancer, uh, diabetes, things like this. If, if they would just bang, uh, come out with a cure, those kinds of things, uh, I think are sudden good news for a lot of people. It seems like we take it for granted. Um, but, you know, the, the relief of illness, I think, uh, is something that would be a great news for everybody. Man, it, uh, so much of that kind of news now, we distrust, and it, you know, we, we don't trust the pharmaceutical companies or the medical profession to have our best interest at heart anymore. And I don't know if that's actually true, or if uh, just this climate of uh, distrust of authorities uh, is making us paranoid. I'm not sure which is true, you know? uh, but there's a lot of uncertainty for sure. But one thing that is true is that if people start started uh, suddenly not having allergies across the board, uh, pharmaceutical companies would lose a lot of their revenue, for sure, no question. But are they happy to do that? Are, are they, you know, do they embrace that idea uh, that they, that a lot of people could be cured and that they would have to close their, some of their factories, you know? Would they look forward to that? Do they embrace that idea? You know, that's the question. Do they embrace people getting well or do they do they depend on people being dependent on them? You know, what is the... I don't know. I don't know the answer. <laughs> so, massive strokes of good fortune, good luck, or whatever you want to call it, positive events seem to be few and far between. But of course, you know, as, as I've been talking to this, many of you know uh, that I would eventually get to this probably, uh, that there have been some massively positive events that have happened for mankind. <laughs> and uh, one in particular, of course, that I am thinking about right now uh, of course, is are the events surrounding Jesus, uh, his birth, and his death, and his resurrection, uh, his life and his ministry, uh, and the recording of it, right? The writing down of those events. Uh, sorry, I'm getting stopped up a little bit. Discord, I know is here. Those were massively beneficial for the entire population of the earth. Uh, <clears throat> uh, and so let's talk about why that is. You know, what does the birth, life, 
death, resurrection, and I would I would also say indwelling. How does how does this these events how do these events uh, qualify to be called you know great news for all? And really, they're the best news that's ever been. I mean, I don't I don't think there's anything in the world. <laughs> that has ever happened that can compete with uh, these events. And of course, these events are centered, centered around Jesus, uh, the Messiah, right? Or the Christ, the Chosen One. Uh, this, this series of events, or, or you could call it one event, you know, the Incarnation, or whatever you want to call it, was massively good news for the entire world. Now, not all the world takes it that way today. Not even people who know the name of Jesus necessarily uh, understand the implications of this good news. Sorry, I had to swerve my nose. Stopped up. I apologize for the sniffles. Been a bad year for that for me. Um, and I've talked about this before, and so <clears throat> you know there are only so many themes that are worth mentioning <laughs> in, in literature and, and, and in the world in general, and they all, in some way, contain the story of Christ. <laughs> Uh, and the truth of that statement shows you that there's never been any more good news, right? And it's such good news that it 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 puts all the other bad news that ever happens to you in in a perspective in which you can also call them good news. <laughs> it's it's that good, right? And here's, here's, I'm going to try to boil it down for you. Here's what it's all about. God is for you. God is for you. He supports you. He loves you. He accepts you. cares about you. He thinks about you. You might say he's obsessed with us. But he is for you. Okay? Now I'm going to make a leap uh, that some people will disagree with and say everybody at the core of their being believes in a greater power than themselves greater power than, than human kind. I think everybody at the core of themselves believes that there's something out there mysterious and powerful. <clears throat> Christians have defined this as Christ. Right? The Bible defines this, this powerful, mysterious 
entity as Christ. And all the other names that go with that. Uh, Yahweh, Elohim, Jesus, uh, the Holy Spirit. So, Christians define this mysterious, uh, powerful, all-powerful creator entity as Christ. <clears throat> Others have called him Allah. Others have called it science. Others call it the universe. Uh, others have called it all kinds of things, right? All kinds of all kinds of names of different gods and whatever. The fact is, they are all they are all experiencing, if only in their mind, uh, that powerful entity, right? They know it's out there. Right? They know something's there. Some power in the universe. Uh, and you can't say that man's the most powerful most powerful entity in the universe because man so often uh, can't control nature. We can't control the weather. Uh, so there's something out there that's more powerful than us. I, I don't know anybody that can deny that. It's not that man has no power, right? Um, there's something out there that's more powerful than us. Otherwise, we'd be able to control it. <clears throat> um, yeah, so... When you know that that power... This is the unique... This is the unique contribution that... that followers of Jesus can bring to the table. We have the best, most personable, human even, depiction of the Christ in Jesus. The truest, right? Uh, Jesus coming as a man, incarnating himself as a man, uh, he gave us a wonderful picture of this God. And through Jesus's picture of this God, we also learn some very important things, not just that he's powerful, not that just that he's mysterious, but that he is for us, that he loves us. And he proved this on the cross by allowing himself to be killed, even though he did nothing wrong. He allowed himself to be killed showing once and for all that he loves us unto death, right? He loves us all the way uh, to the point where it cost him his life. Uh, and this speaks to people, right? We understand sacrificing our lives for someone else. We get that. That makes sense to us. Uh, and so God was making a point. He was telling us, 
yes, you know I'm I'm out there. You know uh, I created the world. Uh, you know that I'm powerful and mysterious. But what you don't know is that I love you. You don't understand this. I am for you. I don't hold your sins against you. I am going to take care of you, no matter what. And the knowledge of that could bring so much joy and contentment to your life now. That it could alleviate all of the suffering in the world if everyone understood this. It could alleviate, I believe, all the suffering in the world. At least all the suffering that really matters. If we just believe that, if we understood that. Wow, okay. So not only is there this mysterious, powerful entity out there, this being uh, that I'm afraid of, uh, now that I've seen what he's like in Jesus, uh, I now realize I don't have to be afraid that I'm taken care of, that I'm loved the way I am, without condition. Uh, and that is the event that puts all other events in perspective. It sheds light on everything else that happens in the world, right? And so, you know, in the last five or ten minutes, uh, I'm about to get to where I'm working. Uh, just, just contemplate on that truth for yourself. You know, think about that the truth of that statement that you don't have to be afraid that everything that's happening when seen in the perspective of the fact that the creator mysterious all powerful God in the universe is for you right what is there to fear What does is, what is everything else matter? Right? All the other things that you may have seen as negative, now in the context of this truth, should pale in comparison. Now mind you, there are painful events, no matter how much you know, or think you know, about God, there are still things that are going to be painful in your life. Uh, you know that my family recently went through a, uh, a suicide. There was a suicide in our family. Uh, and that, at the time, seemed like the, the pain of that, and it was worse for other people in my family than me, but the pain of that event seemed like we could never recover. There was nothing positive about it. There was nothing good about what happened right at the time and we still have not recovered I will say this uh, you know I started this talking about the, the earthquake and tsunami um, and other people it hit that hit harder than it hit us right we were in the affected area but the lightly affected area but this event has been another defining uh event in our lives uh, and, but 
will tell you that for myself and for my wife, our growth in understanding God through that event has really changed the event. Now it's not, it's still not positive. I, I don't know how to say this. It's still, of course, it's not anything, there was nothing good about what happened that day. I can't, I can't call it good because what happened came from somebody in immeasurable pain. And it put a lot of us in immeasurable pain as well. There was nothing redeeming about that event. However, I can now be comfortable in the knowledge that Jesus is taking care of that person, that he is not in pain, that he is being taken care of. Okay, he is uh, better than he was here. Now, we, we still have to live in this world and all of its shadows and mysteries uh, and darkness. We still have to remain here. But the knowledge that we have uh, of, of those who have passed before us, now that we know that Jesus is completely for us and for them, and unconditionally so, then even if we were the best people in the world, we could not take pride in that because it doesn't matter. Jesus treats everyone the same. The Christ has prepared a place for everyone. And everyone is important to him. Everyone is as important to him as anyone else. Nobody gets the first place. God is not a respecter of persons, is how the Bible puts it. And this knowledge really works to take off some of the edge of the negative aspects of what happened that day. And so, yes, there there have been events that are that are good news for everybody that have happened in the world, all centered around Jesus. I would say there may have been a you know a few other things here or there um, that have happened, uh, but yeah. So I'm going to leave you to that reached my place of employment. Um, I guess our job now is to take his message of acceptance and love and peace and harmony uh, to our context, you know, to ourselves. first of all, you know, be at peace with yourself. You are forgiven, forgive yourself. Uh, and I think that's going to leak out uh, to those around you. Give people a break. People sin. It doesn't matter. It's not gonna. It's not gonna change anything. It's not gonna change the way God feels about them. Uh, it's not gonna change their, uh, you know, eternity living with Christ. We're all gonna be able to uh, to receive that. That's a promise.
right? That's what Jesus did. That's why that event is good news, and it's good news for everybody. Make sure that, you know, to, to as much as you can, to, to live with that good news in mind. Good news, you know? What you did uh, does not define you. What you do tomorrow, what you did in the past, uh, even your habits, your bad habits, your addictions, they don't define you. Jesus has already defined you as, number one, acceptable in his sight. He loves you. He wants you. Uh, and he will have you. No matter what. And that's good news for everybody. Bye-bye.